0: a meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more this is peak speed and we're back with exciting news yes
1: we are now professional we have a sponsor for the show which is awesome for us but even more
0: awesome for you indeed because who doesn't love a sweet sweet online shopping discount code and in this case it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep from our good friends prism coffee who are four canberra lads who i've known for a while uh who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee
1: So, John, how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of?
0: Go to their website, which is prismcoffee.com.au. Pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground. You can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, And then you use the code Peakspeak in the discount bit of the shopping cart. And uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in... Some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything. So hopefully quickly.
1: Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the background, not included. I'm recording. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm recording that and I'm recording Zoom as a backup. Stop giggling. Not good,
0: giggling. I'm not giggling. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Uh, just reminiscing over fantastic prison coffee.
0: Yes, use code BEEKSPEEK for 10% off. I've actually just had coffee and I'm now topping it up with Monster because when in doubt, you should add more caffeine to your life. I don't know how you do it. Uh, years of practice Mm. and a constant state of sleep deprivation. I often talk about the uh, the fact that I'm quite good at going to sleep to the point where I had to have a very serious discussion with my girlfriend when we first moved into each uh t- together <laughs> when she got into each other. Yeah, that's right. Um, when we'd sit on a couch and not say anything to each other for two hours, and then we'd go to bed. And when I say like I'm going to bed, I've like started a clock, and inside five minutes, I'm going to be asleep. <laughs> yeah, like, clean my teeth, get my shit together. I'm in bed, out cold. Mm the moment my head hits the pillow, she'd want to start a conversation.
1: i no. be like, motherfucker. Absolutely forbidden.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I ended up putting my foot down because there were a few times where we started a conversation. I engaged in it and therefore came out of my sleep cycle. Oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And no. then because she's unloaded, she fell straight asleep oh. and started snoring. And then I'm sitting there going, motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal.
1: Especially like when you, when you enter that zone of awake, but, not awake enough to know you're awake, but not asleep enough to be asleep, and someone says something. And it feels like an eternity. It's like time stops. So you yeah. think you've been in bed for half an hour, but you've literally been there for one minute. Yeah, And then they say something, you're like, why? Yeah, yeah. it the gets worst.
0: every time. Absolutely. Yeah, so. worst. Yeah, I think you know a constant state of sleep deprivation and <laughs> more stimulants is probably the recipe for success. What do you average sleep-wise? How many hours a night do you reckon you get? Six. Six.
1: Yeah. How do you function?
0: Uh, with a lot of caffeine. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I just the the nature of my times means I don't get much more than six during the week. So because I finish at the gym at eight, I'm like home by like eight thirty at the latest. You know, by the time I drag my feet out of the gym, and then I'm sort of eating dinner. Sometimes it's preparing dinner because my girlfriend's been arguing with a toddler for several hours <laughs> um and that just means by the time i've like actually eaten and wound down it's like 9 30 10 o'clock uh mm. and then i'm out of bed at 10 to 5
1: so uh, do you guys do you guys still uh have to do staff members present because of covid stuff? no 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 okay.
0: but i i do all my training in the morning so mm. i monday wednesday friday i train at 5 30 uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays I ride, uh, and then Thursdays I normally do some like cardio in the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like getting up early. I really enjoy that. I yeah. continually do that, uh, you know, uh, by choice. Uh, and then like Sundays I'll sleep in. So mm. yeah, it'd be also, nice to get eight hours, but I don't.
1: Halfway through that conversation, I'm like, oh yeah,
0: uh, John's a dad. That that's that's acceptable then. Yeah, well, I sleep in on a Sunday is like oh, I'm awake at seven, yeah, uh, yeah which and I wake up feeling like fucking amazing because I've had eight hours of sleep. That's yeah, yeah, life changing. Yeah.
1: Yes, wonderful. Um, how are things down there? You've got you guys have uh, is it states or is it no uh, states is, is a fire. couple
0: of weeks. Uh, states is twenty eighth of March. Uh, we've got a novice our first novice comp for the year this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will have been yesterday by the time this episode comes out, um, which is cool. I think we've got like 50 or so people on the list for that, uh, which is going to be great. Um, I always enjoy novice comps. They're a lot more fun. I think I probably enjoy them more than running sanction meets. I just think the atmosphere is always a bit more, mm. a bit less serious, basically. Like people are there to have some have some fun and enjoy the day and that sort of thing. So it always makes it a bit... A bit more enjoyable from my point of view Uh, I I still like hosting comps but um, there's something about watching especially first timers go up and hit things they've never done before uh, in that environment that's really cool yeah yeah yeah
1: I love on uh, I don't know if you do this at your novice comps one thing I hate in powerlifting is fourth attempts but on on novice comps if people successfully get their third and want to have a crack at like a big PB lift on a a fourth I let them do it Um, and the atmosphere is always so wild no matter how big or small
0: the lift is it's so much fun yeah, I um I don't do fourths uh, because I'm a fan of efficiency, <laughs> and I just like to keep things simple. Because then I think a lot of people would be taking fourths in a way that, like, with a fifty-person comp, if twenty-five people take fourth attempts across the day, then it just it adds up real yeah. quick, you know. Yeah, yeah uh so yeah i like the idea but our, our novice comps in general especially by the end of the day like by the time we hit deadlifts when everyone's like a bit amped up the music's a bit louder uh plates are banging around it's always a, a good time hmm. are you coming down for states at the end of march that's the intention yes yeah supposed excellent. supposed to be Toby's
1: competing, right? Toby's competing. Uh, so he's the f- he's the first person that put his hand up to do a comp on that date. Now I have like 20 around the country because everyone's running a comp on that particular date. Yeah, day, yeah.
0: So I, it seems to be one of those weekends.
1: He he won that battle, so uh, I'm doing my best to, to make it down. To be fair, now. he's competed
0: here a bunch of times and you've never turned up once. So Yeah, I've been there. That's a lie. Yep, I've been did there Did you come for down for Toby though? Or did yep. you come down for someone else? Oh, no. Nah.
1: No, nah, I've right. been. There, I think one of Toby's comps. Yeah, that's right. Maybe two, probably one. Yeah, yeah I think it's sh- only one. Shout out to Toby. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we should probably talk about something other than sleep deprivation and Toby and
0: stimulants. Yeah. And stimulants. Cool. Excellent. Uh.
1: So, uh. I've had You're a on
0: topics this week, are not you? Look at that. That's yes. a fucking change for the books. I am on topics,
1: and as a uh, as a self proclaimed uh, top level entrepreneur. I decided to outsource this one. Um, so Sarah, Sarah Cawthorne, thank you for your submission for the topic of the week. Um, Sarah suggested that we talk about plan B on Cob Day and I like the suggestion. <laughs> Do you like the suggestion because it's a good topic or because you're incredibly biased?
0: Um, well, a uh, little bit of column A, a little uh, column B. Good, um, that's all right then. No, I think it's, it's a good idea and it's something that a lot of people don't talk about because there's there's this assumption that all of your perfect planning and well-executed percentage-based training will equate to exactly what you predict to happen on comp day. And therefore Mm -hmm. you don't have to have a plan B like everyone goes in going, this is my second attempt. This is my third attempt. I'm going to hit PRs here. It's going to be amazing. Mm. And I I'm yet to hit a comp of my own where I've turned up and everything's gone exactly to plan. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I've been doing it for a while. So, uh, I think it's an important discussion to have.
1: Yeah, for sure. I th- it's becoming it's becoming more and more uh, uh, something that I'm resorting to uh, in the local circuit. Like I've, I think I've digressed, uh, not digressed, but uh, expressed on here a, a number of times some inconsistency that I've noticed with some refereeing around the place. Yeah. Um, and uh, because of that, uh, it, it makes it a little bit harder to plan for things. Um, not because the the planning process is more difficult, um, but if there's inconsistency in the refereeing on the day, if there's an issue with refereeing on the day, or if there's an issue with your own performance on the day, you, you're going to have to pull it together to get white lights. And, and like this is not a not a dig at any particular referees or refereeing uh, groups or anything like that. It's more about saying that sometimes things have to change uh, from what the plan is, even if uh, you. Even if you go out and, and do things to what you feel are comp standards, if the refs don't see the same thing, you're going to have to change how you're performing that thing and, and be able to uh, you know execute to the point where you don't bomb. Uh, so you know being willing to accept contingency plans uh, based on the fact that the uh, the the lift being passed or failed is not in your hands uh, by and large is going to be important.
0: I also think it's relevant to talk about this now more so than ever because so many people have experienced even in the last six months this like stop, start, lockdown, no lockdown, those sort of things. And there, those like mini interruptions that, you know, seem like a huge inconvenience at the time can actually have a carryover effect into your performance on the competition day and the ability not just to adjust your expectations on the day but in the lead up to the day mm-hmm. uh, is really important as well and that can then sort of influence how your contingency plan comes about over the course of the weeks or months leading up to that comp, it, I think ultimately both cases stem from the need to be realistic about your expectations and your abilities. And like we on often talk about uh, being able to remove your emotional attachment from the numbers and from, uh, you know, what you want to be happening as opposed to what's actually happening and how it's all going. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I think um, I think step one is, and, and, and really this could be step zero, is going in in a
0: fashion Hashtag that... brand awareness. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, that was good. I didn't even draw that. Anyway. Um, he says is, like he didn't plan that. Is going in with the best possible plan to avoid having to rely on contingency. So yes. um, when it comes to attempt selection, I mean, we've, we've run episodes on this sort of stuff so you can flick back. And find that The thing that I always say to all lifters and all coaches is ask yourself this are you going in to fail your third attempts? The answer should be no and in that case we can look at the first and second as stepping stones and so they don't need to be risky. If anything they should be yeah. the opposite of risky. If they're stepping stones bigger jumps can be afforded here especially from first to second so if you go in with a first attempt that you can hit no matter the circumstances if you have to sink it an inch, inch lower it should be no problem if you have to pause it for two seconds longer it should be no problem. If you have to hold it at the top for another second or two it should be no problem you're gonna have a much easier time in your competition because like a contingency between second and third is annoying but it's not that scary a contingency once you've failed the first lift especially if it's on one of the big fundamentals like you've missed depth and you've gone literally as low as you think you can that's fucking scary and that is gonna fuck with your head big time so go go in in uh in confidence that you can perform the numbers of your openers to comp standards if those comp standards are, uh, you know,
0: a little bit stricter than your own standards or your
1: coach's standards.
0: Yeah, and I've had this discussion with people in the past about uh, like bombing, especially in raw lifting, is something that I just don't think should ever really happen. Hmm. Like I think the nature of lifting equipped, and I like I speak as someone who's bombed plenty uh, competing equipped, uh, some would say I'm Australia's best bomber. Actually, that's not true. I know several people who are better at bombing than I am. Um, but for the sake of privacy, we're not going to call those people out. Um, but I don't think you should ever bomb a raw comp. I think if you bomb a raw comp, you first and foremost have to look at yourself because you have at some point in that the course of action – chosen an opener that is insufficient for what you needed Uh and that could be the case of like yeah the judging was way stricter than you were expecting it to be cool Mm -hmm. well you've like you said not picked an opener that allows you to execute it even if the judging is super strict or you know beyond what should be a reasonable interpretation of the rules Mm -hmm. uh but then there's factors like oh just like i wasn't feeling it on the day or i wasn't there or you know that my strength wasn't there i got sick all of those sort of things well like adjust your fucking openers. Like you mm. should, you should be able to recognize that in the warm up process. You should be able to recognize the difference between what a hundred kilos feels like in an average training session and what it feels like today. You know, that that self-awareness first and foremost is the thing that should be the red flag that puts you in a position where mm. you don't bomb because it just means you should drop your opener. Even if it's ridiculously easy, then well, that's cool. Like you said, it's a stepping stone onto what are you do- mm. doing on that second and third lift? So I think, um, uh, like you said, it's it's step zero is pick the right openers so that and, and be willing to adjust your openers mm. as you go so that you can be in a position to just be in the books, like just fucking get a lift in the books. That's all that matters initially.
1: The adjusting openers is such a, a big point for both lifters and coaches. If If you have any doubt that the opener might be a concern, just drop it.
0: Like the the Mm -hmm. comp
1: uh, people, I think people forget as well, especially lifters, experienced coaches should know this through and through, but you know, lifters that manage themselves or that are maybe a little bit less experienced, forget that the comp is designed for them. yes it's it's designed for the lifter and there's all these options for the lifter if you're doing shit in your warm-ups you've got the option to drop your opener within a particular time frame and you're gonna know if you're doing shit you don't have to wait till your last warm-up you know what your warm-up weights feel like every week and if they feel like shit today no amount of comp hype and environment and backslaps is gonna make it 10 times better on the platform you're gonna perform like shit so just swallow that up and be like All I can do today is the absolute best that I can do. Maybe that's a little bit lower than what my expectations were, but I'm not here to exceed my and everyone else's expectations. I'm here to put up the best total possible. Yeah, Uh, exactly. It's really easy to set yourself up to fail. Um, If you don't just, you know, listen to that voice or trust your gut in terms of uh, things aren't feeling right, make the change, make the call. And then if it feels good on the platform, take a bigger jump. Yeah, Problem solved yeah
0: that and that that's a skill that i think a lot of people can only really learn not by listening to two meatheads talk into their ears while they walk their dog but instead by fucking it up several times and recognizing it in reality because some people myself included are perhaps a little too stubborn to take that lesson from someone else and really mm-hmm. need to to be shown what it looks like in yeah. order to actually learn that lesson mm-hmm. um, and yeah like i uh, it's as simple as like not paying enough attention to what you're doing and things like that, like being too blasés off on the other end of the spectrum as well. Mm-hmm. I know I almost uh, 2015 nationals. I almost bombed in the bench having squatted a national record and my first PR in like two years. I was a bit too blasé about my bench opener and I missed it twice and only got it on my third attempt. Uh, and that was not from an unwillingness to adjust the numbers because that should have been a, a run of the mill everyday weight that I didn't pay enough attention to, that I wasn't I wasn't respecting enough, I didn't s- sort of give it the, the credence it deserved, I nearly fucked it up too. So mm-hmm. I think both ends of the spectrum are important. And, um, yeah, the self-awareness is, as is often the case, the answer.
1: Yeah, yeah. For coaches out there as well, like when it comes to you're doubting your lifter's ability to perform – um, it's important to look at happiness as a, as a byproduct of what happens at the comp. So it's not about making the lifter happy by giving them the, the, the attempts they want. It's about making the lifter happy by giving them the best comp possible. If they fail yeah. their opener or if they fail two or three lifts, I mean, they're not going to be happy. So it's your job to, you know, put the emotion aside of like, oh, you dropped my opener five kilos. Why'd you do that? I'm feeling good. You know if they're looking good. You know if they're performing well. If they're performing like shit and the, the warmups are slow, don't second guess yourself based on how they feel trust you got go make the change uh and again like you're nodding your head because you've probably experienced this where you've done it to a lifter where you've looked at their warm-up and been like oh they hit it so well in training a bunch of times it's looking a bit slow they'll be fine then they do their opener and you're like that was so close to failing there's no way we're doing a second and third (laughs) yeah i almost made this person bomb
0: yeah yeah exactly i've made that mistake several times and in in the end The even if the compromise I have with and the way I now have that discussion because I'm more experienced, they'll say, like, look, we we go down a little bit in your opener because no one really gives a shit about your opener. Mm. And then assuming it goes well, as you think it might go well, then you'll crush it and then we'll make a reasonable jump to a second. And what often happens is they do the opener and go, Oh, that actually, while it was lighter than I intended to, wasn't as easy as I thought it was gonna be. And then Mm -hmm. obviously we compromise further, and it's like, okay, well, instead of this for yourself second we, we drop that a little bit and, and we're just more realistic about the data that's put in front of us on the day as opposed to historical data which is I think one of the problems with Uh, training as a data source is Mm. we have this like this idea of like this is what I'm capable of this is my max so this is what I'm capable of at all times which is not how it works like that's the the magic of powerlifting I think is that it happens on a day at a time Mm. and so it's it's not this is my max it's this is what I could do on that day, under those circumstances, in those conditions, mm-hmm. and when you recognise it as that, as opposed to this is what I'm capable of at all times, then you are, I think, better able to remove some of that emotion from the scenario and just go with what's the data in front of me. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So
1: um, it's probably becoming clear so far, but like this is where this conversation leads is that so much of this in terms of contingencies, in terms of changing the flow of the day based on what's happening in front of you is around protection of mindset Um, because like the the emotion that comes with lifting on the day and receiving red lights, not passing the lift um, is so easy to overwhelm, so easy to override the person's ability to focus on the task at hand and perform well. Um, I I try so hard to impart this kind of mindset on people Uh, but at the same time i have the empathy of knowing what it's like to miss a lift perform poorly on a lift if it's like not a uh, technicality like you hit depth and you did the squat but you stumbled you lost balance or something it's so hard not to carry that through into your next attempt yeah and so like we have to always come back to this is like flipping that idea of training history on its head it's like think of your training cycle. How many lifts did you stumble on? None, but you stumbled on the comp day. This is in your head right now. But think. don't think of that one rep that fucked up. Think of the 10,000 reps that we did for the last six months to get this point that didn't fuck up. You know how to squat, go out there and squat. That's fucking easy to say as a coach when <laughs> yeah. you're standing there. Yeah. Actually doing that is a whole different ball game. Like it's So much of what you need to achieve with these changes, these on-the-fly changes and contingency plans is wrapping your head around being in the moment and not focus on what immediately happened and what's going to happen next. It's just like focus on execution of that next lift, put all your energy into performing the lift the, the best way you know how to perform. And as soon as you know you need to do that, it's really hard not to overthink it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's
0: so hard not to overthink it. And as a coach, it's really hard in that scenario not to overcoach it. Mm. You know, like Will Crozier at Pro Raw is a great example. Like Will knows how to squat. Anyone that <laughs> knows Will knows Will knows how to fucking squat. He knows how to squat to depth. Maybe he squats on the border of depth, but that's the idea. <laughs> um, but at, at that Pro Raw, Pro Raw scenario, like would he missed his first two on depth, had to hit his third... Like at that point as a coach, there's pretty much nothing I'm going to say to that person other than you've got this, Mm -hmm. like you can do this because no coaching cue that I'm going to give at that point is going to be productive at all Mm -hmm. because it's it's so far removed from the time where cueing people is really productive, like in training where we're developing these habits over the course of a whole block. But once it comes to the competition platform, I don't really want to say anything other than – arbitrary noise that's shaped in the vein of encouragement. You know, Mm. like you've got this, you can do this all good. You're sweet. Let's go. Because I don't want to put any other thought into your head other than what should be there, which is executing the lift. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, especially as you get to a high level, like maybe you're thinking about one specific thing. Maybe you're just thinking about doing it and mm-hmm. and being like running the process and letting the, letting the thing happen. Mm-hmm. And I think too many coaches, especially those that are less experienced in competition day environments and having seen people have bad days. Like if you're a, a relatively inexperienced coach, watching someone nearly fuck their opener up is nerve wracking and then you get nervous. And so you want to try and help fix the situation by offering a million different things to think about or running seven different plans through, like talking about seven different plans for it instead of being able to focus on like that one thing. Like, hey, just like pay attention to this and you'll be mm-hmm. okay. Or like, hey, don't pay attention to any of that. Shit happens. Let's just go back and make mm-hmm. it better on the next one. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, from my own experience is just something I've developed with exposure to those shitty scenarios. Like mm. I've never been more nervous in a lifting environment than I have been on the side of a platform coaching someone who's going for a win or, you know, in position to take out a, a top three spot at nationals or something like that. Way more nervous than I'll ever be for lifting myself mm. because I know in my scenario, I'm in control. Like I, I, I am the drive, in the driving seat and I'm good to go. Whereas in the coaching scenario, I'm trying to help influence the outcome, but ultimately I have very little say in what happens. And mm-hmm. the nature of the coaching relationship is often people will put the success on the competition day more on the coach than on the athlete. And I think that's really hard to deal with as well because actually – by the time you get to the competition platform, my job's pretty much done. Like it's up yeah. to you to execute. Really? And By the
1: time you start the peak, your job's almost done.
0: Like yeah, it's, pretty it's, much. But yeah, uh, sorry, keep going. No, and, and that, I think that reflects a lot of inexperienced athletes' inability to recognize that their own performance and their own mindset and their own approach on that competi- competition day is ultimately the deciding factor. Mm. Uh, my, yeah, like you said, my job's done pretty much by the time you get to a peak, like, yeah, maybe there's some number selection and massaging of training loads and stuff through that process. But beyond that, you've learned everything you can learn. Mm-hmm. You've changed every technique you possibly can. You've just now got to practice and execute to the highest of your abilities. And, um, I think when you recognize as a lifter that actually from that, you know, 3 weeks out or whatever it is, you're pretty much in the driving seat and you've just got to do the work, mm-hmm. then you can start to recognize okay, well where do these scenarios come up and how am I going to address them? Is it is it the judging or is it that I did every training squat a little bit high mm-hmm. and just thought the classic it'll be there on comp day, you know, mm-hmm. like being able to be reflective after the comp and even during the comp like what have I done wrong here mm-hmm. to put me in this shitty position how can I address that going forward because ultimately even a really bad comp experience can be a really excellent learning curve Fuck you know? yeah. Yeah. I had this discussion with a lifter the other day who's doing states who's like got a young kid had real terrible sleep has been lucky to get two sessions in a week uh, and has had like a pretty shitty comp prep and has come very close to pulling the plug on the comp a couple of times I've said more than once, like, man, the best thing that's going to come out of this is we know, like we found a training structure that you can do and still make some progress. And even if you hit numbers that are at or below your previous bests, you've done it in an environment that's so much more... uh not conducive to success and Mm -hmm. so what that shows is that when we can clear up these other factors that you can't control life having a young kid those sort of things recognizing where powerlifting sits in your priority uh list then you know that the performance is there we have the fundamentals we've Mm -hmm. learned a lot about what works and what doesn't and you can take that knowledge forward i think this sort of constant need for everything to be successful and be better than it was last time can mm. be a really negative loop to get into for sure I love I love that
1: idea of just coming to one key focal point after something goes wrong um, yeah. and it's it's the strategy that I use personally um, and sometimes it's to take the mind off what's what's gone wrong and sometimes it's actually connected to what actually what might fix that issue so sometimes it's as simple as like oh okay that person stumbled and balanced because they lost their brace man all i want you to focus on on this uh next one is just set your brace and hold it set your brace and hold it because again they're they're at comp day they're not thinking about technique they're just going up and down um and sometimes it might just be like okay well um you did that bench and you double dipped on the chest because of some Un- unforeseen reason that you've never done it in your life maybe it's just like just squeeze the shit out of the bar that'll fix it yeah, or something yeah. like but just something to get their mind focused on okay I know how to bench it, that's what I'm thinking about extra and then they just go out and execute so I've I have the privilege of basically every comp that Will's done besides a couple of like little random deadlift ones along the years since like 2014 or 15 I've I've handled him out including that pro raw and that's uh, the the um, the the one thing about coaching those super experienced people like Will or like you've had experience with um, Nathan Jones, you know, they're in control. They know what's going on, and so much of our role on the day is just kind of quieting the noise from everyone else getting yeah. so flustered. Yeah. Um, and when you're new to having bad days, that's really hard to tune out of. Everyone wants yeah. to be from the from a place of love and from yeah, a yeah. place of help. Everyone wants to be super helpful and come give you all of this advice. If you've got a handler or a coach, trust them, listen to them, cancel out all the noise. If you don't, still cancel out all the noise because it's probably not that helpful. Um, It's so easy to just get fixated on looking for the thing that's going to fix what went wrong. A lot of the times what went wrong was just an accident. Yeah. Maybe, like you said, maybe it was an error in training. You didn't pause long enough. You didn't hit depth enough. Maybe you actually have to think about going that little bit extra. But most of the time it's just like, isn't wait for the call just wait for the call you know what to do just go out and execute Um, but so much of it relies on you um being stuck in the moment not thinking about the lift you just missed focusing on the lift that you're about to do waiting till the end of the comp and then getting pissed off and throwing your belt away um and putting a bitchy so
0: uh, passive aggressive instagram post about judging on the internet
1: yeah not my day (laughs) taking a (laughs) break from social media <laughs> Real friends know where to find me.
0: <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh god. It is. I love it. Mm. Uh. And, and so
1: I mean, like, that's an important point we need to make. Like you and I both run comps, we've both refed at very high levels. Don't take it out on the fucking refs. If it if it's a genuine poor call, I mean it's one of the issues that we have in powerlifting federations in Australia is that most of our high-level comps don't have juries. Uh, The way it should work is we have a jury that you divert to if you want to make a. a, Yeah,
0: you uh, you who can overrule the decision. Yeah.
1: Yeah, getting angry at a ref, showing, sticking a camera in their face, just going to piss them off it's not gonna it's not gonna help you and then you just become super recognizable as that douchebag that went psycho at the ref just deal with the fact that you know it's your job to perform to the comp standards as according to the eyes of the referees go out the back think about what you need to do come back and execute it and that's your way of saying fuck you referee don't take it out on them because they're just a regular person giving up their time and their sunday to help you out
0: yeah exactly and i've I've had, like, called people out on this sort of bullshit in the past where I've had people who have an inferior understanding of the rulebook, like, just don't know the rules well enough and then put up a bitchy Instagram post about, like, oh, this judging's retarded. Like, well, one what you did was not bring up the issue you had with the competition, with the person running the competition, but instead you put it on the internet for other people. And generally it's going to be your circle jerk buddies who are going to be like, Oh yeah, well it's definitely red hot. Um, and ultimately the problem with that is it's probably cause you don't know the rules. Like you haven't read the rule book. You haven't got the level of knowledge that the person sitting in the fucking chair does. Cause everyone wants to be an armchair, referee until they've actually done it and then they go oh yeah actually it's really hard like making a split second decision at, like sitting on the big dog stage making a decision mm. about whether andre milanichev the greatest power lifter in history double bounced his bench on his chest like i've done that and it's fucking complex uh and hard because the moment you make the decision you spend the rest of the time second guessing it mm. and on a stage like that you don't want to fuck up Uh, And so then to have people like pound on you, especially about shitty things in local meets that don't matter, you know, like an intermediate level lifter, fuck something up and you had to go at the ref for it. Like maybe you're just a dick. Mm. And I think everyone does it in sport. Like I've I'm the first person to sit at a rummies game and shout at the referee while drunkenly from the stands. But also I've I've refed rugby games. Like I've been a rugby ref, I've done that, I have that experience, and mm-hmm. that still doesn't give me the right to hang shit on people like that. Yeah. Uh, at a professional sports level, those people are being paid to do a job. Mm-hmm. At a local powerlifting meet, that's someone who fucking loves powerlifting, who's volunteered to give up their Sunday to help you compete in a sport that ultimately no one really cares about.
1: They want you to have a good experience. That's all whole exactly. reason that they're there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, coming back to this mindset thing, um, missing a lift intra uh, intra a particular lift, that's one thing to deal with. The big other thing that's going to come with this, it's easy to fuck up your entire day because you're fixated on something that you screwed up. Yeah. So maybe strength wasn't an issue. You feel great, you perform great, um, everything's fantastic, but you squatted high in training so you missed a couple of squats or you weren't happy with the refereeing or whatever. You have a bad squat session, right? You miss, you open it, you just scrape through in your second, you get your third, but it was high, right? So you're pissed off at the world, at the comp, at the refs because of your shitty squats. It's so easy to carry that attitude and fuck up your bench and fuck up your deadlift. Yeah. It's, it's like how many times have we seen as coaches observing at comps as comp organizers at comps people have totally shit days because they flip the switch of their attitude based on having a bad performance on long lift that's a like fast track to hating the sport and getting out of it and it's just fucking immature uh and like i get it like it, it is immature because a lot of these people that react like that are immature in the sport like they're inexperienced it's really disappointing when you see very experienced people Uh, going on like that and it does happen so like again it's so difficult to put this into action it's so easy for us to sit here and say this but you have to stay in the moment you have to leave the squat session behind you the bench session behind you accept that it's gone it's done you've done the best that you can now it's just focusing on executing uh deadlifts and for me as a coach that's coached at a very high level this is even more difficult if the lifter knows they needed that squat to break the record, to yeah. win the comp, if they've checked out emotionally because they only came for first place and now they know it's out of reach, it's really easy to write to, um, off the day and come fifth when they could have come second. Like it's it's really important that you remember, like you said, this is a learning opportunity. This is an opportunity to test your resilience, to get better at the sport, because this will happen again. There'll be times where things don't go to plan and it's up to you to scrape through, put together your mental resources to bring a good performance to the table. And the more you just, uh, you know, reinforce the idea of I haven't had a good time, therefore I'm going to throw it all away, the the more you're going to become the opposite of resilient in this case.
0: And the thing about powerlifting that I think is interesting on that front is like I've I've played enough rugby and enough rugby for bad rugby teams uh, to go into comps knowing we're going to lose. Like mm-hmm. you can be as upbeat and positive as you want, but you know you're going into that comp to be, be- that uh, game to be beaten by forty points. It's an unpleasant feeling, and I've done it a lot. In powerlifting, you can go into a comp, have finished your squats, like you said, and know you're going to lose. Like no, you're not there to get the thing that you wanted. Yeah, it sucks, but you still have the opportunity to turn that around and and have a really good performance. Like you mm-hmm. can still come out of a shitty subpar squat performance and PB your bench or deadlift. And yeah, it's not the result you wanted, but that doesn't make it inherently negative. And I think uh, it's yeah a somewhat unique opportunity because in a lot of sport the the result is binary. Like you won or you lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's you know it doesn't matter if you like oh, we won that, we lost that rugby game, but we scored a PB number of tries. Like it doesn't work like that in those sort of sports. In powerlifting, it is like, hey, I made progress in these other two areas, but not progress on the total. And that Mm. can be seen as still a a net positive. Um, But I think, like you said, it's really easy to fall into that trap of being like, ah, well, that sucks. Let's just fucking go to the pub. Mm. Uh, And I like, I know that because I've done it. (laughs) As someone who spent a lot of time... Uh, pursuing nothing other than squatting really heavy. Uh, I have often at comps been like, oh, I had a subpar squat. I'll just fucking tick the box on <laughs> on bench, take a second attempt deadlift, be like, oh, yeah, it's close enough, and then go to the pub. Yeah. Uh, and looking back on it, it's not that I regret doing it the way I did, but I would never teach someone to do it like mm. that. I, I had a very singular focus on what I wanted out of powerlifting at the time. Didn't get it. That's fine too. Uh, but it's... Probably the unhealthy approach to things, and probably has an influence on why I'm not actively competing at the moment. Mm. For, from a competition perspective, as well, like from a record perspective,
1: yeah. If you if you miss a squat that was integral in you getting the record, I can. Uh, that's that's more justifiable to, yeah. you know, write off the rest of the day, especially if that was the only thing on the line. If it's competition sake, if you think you need that number to come first, it's still anyone's fucking game. There's nothing to say yeah. that your competition isn't gonna. Uh, you know, miss their calls on bench press or terra on their opening deadlift or yeah. you you pay your coach Tom Bro 7 $3,000 and kneecap them in the toilets in between lifts. There's nothing to say that none of that stuff is going to happen. Um, so you you have to stay in the game because you don't know how, what the outcome is going to be. Like yeah. think of being in their shoes, right? They were coming into it thinking, fuck, this guy's going to smoke me on squats. And so yeah. now you've fallen behind. They They were already prepared to lose to you Um, they were in the same boat. So don't be prepared to lose to them. Bank on the fact that maybe something goes wrong for them.
0: And I've watched people at national level meets, like winning by hundreds of kilos, make a really dumb rookie mistake and then lose. Mm -hmm. You know, like go from I'm 150 kilos on the total ahead to I bombed or I lost by 100 kilos because I fucked up. Mm-hmm. It, it, like powerlifting anything really can happen because of the nature of the sport. And I think, yeah, being able to hold on to, okay, well, that didn't go to plan, but put it behind me, move on to the next thing is important. Yeah, I mean, we saw it big time in Nationals 2019, triple crown
1: on the line, poor decision in deadlift saw the person going for it bomb. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And it it, they were miles ahead. They were definitely going to win. Yeah, um, And whether it was like an egotistical thing, a focus on a, a, a total goal or something like that, it's like sometimes the priority of what's in front of you can overshadow what the reality of what you can achieve on that day. Um, and it's really important to uh, see things from a bunch of angles. And I guess, like, one of the big things that's coming from this coaching, uh, this, this conversation is having a handler or a coach to be that objective third party yep. is going to be important because lifts that feel real heavy might move real fast. Lifts that uh, move real good might actually move like shit and you need to be brought down a level to what, you know, having that objective third party to to guide you. It's so weird for me personally, like as a lifter in the gym, I never need to seek validation for the number that I'm going to attempt. Part of that is because I know nothing's on the line if I fail it. Uh, And part of that is just experience. I'm pretty confident in what I'm able to achieve. But I don't trust myself on comp day. I I never have had a dedicated handler, but I've normally had a comp with a bunch of my people that I'm willing to be like, you know, what do you think? Should I go for this number or should I go for that number? Um, You helped me out at that GPC comp after my surgeries. Like, I always want to divert to someone to be like, do you think this is realistic? Um, Because uh, even if you don't know my lifting, uh, part of it for me is like, I already know what I want to do and I need validation for it. Yes. Um, and if I don't get that validation in a negative, like I want to do three twenty, and you're like, nah, I think you should do three fifteen, I'll go three fifteen.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, see so I'm a, I actually think I'm the opposite. I um I'm like you in training. Like i by the time I've squatted a hundred, I can tell you within ten kilos of what I'm gonna to squat today. Like I I just I know what it feels like on a good day, I know what it feels like on a bad day. And then in competition, I I'm like I probably err on the conservative side anyway, but I think I'm uh aware enough of my own capabilities that you can pretty much never convince me that you know it better than I do like if yeah. you're like oh I take 220 not 210 like I'm I'm immediately gonna be like no I think two tens actually the reasonable option here because yeah. then as soon as you uh, I feel like personally as soon as I've deflected that to someone else then the ball's not in my court anymore like I yeah. didn't make that commitment and so I find the getting up for it a bit harder because it's I feel like I'm less bought into it, Mm. uh, which is like I think an interesting, just like uh, personality trait more than it is some trainable thing. Uh, But I think from from my own perspective, I've always been very good at knowing, like you, what I'm capable of, how much more I have in the tank despite what it looks like or because of what it looks like. Uh, And I think maybe that means I haven't pushed the limits, but. I think I probably have. Like I've missed enough attempts to know that mm. I'm pretty close on most cases. So I think, um, yeah, I don't know that it's a skill you can train. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that you just bragged about how many comms you bombed, and then you're like, no, I can pick my
1: own numbers. Yeah, I, yeah, always, I, I can. I just <laughs> n- I'm not always
0: very good at it. Actually, <laughs> um, I
1: want to I want to change what I said because I don't need people's validation. I no, I understand what I was trying to say now. It's more <laughs> f- for me. It's more like it's more like flipping a coin. You know, like yep. when you're like, do I want this or do I want that? And you flip a coin, you don't care about heads or tails. You just know that once you flip the coin, you know what you want. You've made the it's, decision, yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, look at this video. Do you think this number's all right? And as soon as I say, is this number all right? I don't give a fuck what you say. I've already got yeah, yeah. my mind as yeah, to what's yeah.
0: going on. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I think that's, as a coach, that's something that I try to foster in people as they become more experienced. Mm-hmm. Like early on, for, you know, I've got a handful of people doing their first or second comp on the weekend. I'm pretty much going to pick all their numbers. Yeah, They're not going to get a lot of say in it. Mm-hmm. We've had discussions about like, this is what we're going to open at. This is what your second attempt is. Here's the window that we're going to hit your third in. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well set in stone. The only real flexibility is going to be on the third. Like, did you crush your second
1: mm.
0: horrifically or did you like really barely only make it? Uh, and then we adjust accordingly. Then, you know, fast forward to states in a few weeks where I've got some more experienced people It's like, okay, the first question I ask is what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Okay, here's my opinion on that. Here's where I think we should go. Mm. And it's more of a consultation rather than a direction um, because – as a lifter becomes more experienced, they, they develop that skill of knowing what they're good at and or what they're capable of on a good day and a bad day. And you develop that awareness and that exposure to the environment that gives you the confidence to make those decisions mm. so that you know, someone at your level, we can have a discussion at comps and we have before. This is what I think. This is what I think. All right, cool. All right, let's hit this in the middle and you've made a decision and you're good. But for someone who's had no experience, they come out like, oh, that felt amazing. This is what I want to do. It's like, wow, that felt amazing because you're really hyped up in the comp environment. It looked like garbage. And this is what I've seen you hit before. Let's aim for this. Mm -hmm. And we can be a bit more realistic about it. And sometimes I think that for a lot of people, feels disheartening initially, but then they get up and their third attempt is like a real grind and they come off the platform and go, oh no, you were right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, chances are, especially if you're a relatively new or novice lifter, as a coach, I probably have a better handle on what you're capable of on any given day than you do. And as you develop as a lifter, that relationship flips. Mm, Awesome. All right, let's leave it there. Works for me.
1: See you soon. Goodbye.